Let's pray. Father, it is an amazing reality that the books that we hold in our hand, the Bible, is the very word of God. And these words were written by 40 different authors and the, 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 the written word here is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, when we preach, we don't preach man's opinions. We, we preach the very word of God. And that is what will change people's hearts to be saved, to grow in Christ's likeness. And so, Lord, as we preach from Third John this morning, I ask for your help. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would, would speak the words here into the people's hearts who are here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Since 1986, I've had the blessing of calling one church my home. And that, of course, is this church. During that time, I have been shepherded uh, by many pastors. The first pastor I ever knew was Tom Jensen. He dedicated me when we used to worship in Fellowship Hall, right out there. The stage was, was in that direction. The, the doors leading outside were over there, and that took place in 1986. After Tom Jensen, we had George Thompson, David Griever, and Tom Johnston, who all served at about the same time. Then Greg Loomis and George Pfizer. Greg Loomis was our senior pastor. George Pfizer was our youth pastor. We then had two years where we had an interim pastor, Pastor Mike Helene. And then for the last 11 years, Dave Abernathy has been the pastor of this church. For the last four years, I have enjoyed the privilege of privilege of serving alongside him as a pastor as well. That is the brief overview of the shepherds of this church over the last 30 years. We have been blessed by having good shepherds. These are men who are not perfect, and, and they would be the first to tell you that. They, they are sinners like the rest of the church, and they need Christ every bit as much. Their tenures at Mount Free were not flawless, but as a whole, they were good. They looked after the flock and were not self-seeking. I say this even, even with the knowledge that we had a church split about 13 years ago. For the most part, I still think that I was taken care of these last 30 years through the different pastors that we had. I believe many people who have been a part of this fellowship during that time would, would say the same thing. Now, this is not always the case at a local church. Some of you here today ha have been hurt by self-seeking pastors. It hurts when a shepherd you thought you trusted betrays your trust. Some of you who have been at, at different churches over the years may have had pastors that looked after themselves before the church. They indulged in sin, did not take care of the flock, and they are no longer in ministry. The Lord is angry at pastors who do not look after the sheep, but look after themselves. This is how, I should say, 
who look after themselves first. This is how he addressed the bad shepherds. This is how the Lord addressed the bad shepherds of Israel in Ezekiel 34. He said, because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. And a few verses down in the same passage, the Lord says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. Every pastor in the world today is an under-shepherd. The Lord himself is the chief shepherd and the New Testament reveals that Jesus is the chief shepherd. And every human under-shepherd has flaws. But some under-shepherds are faithful, and some are not. And the scripture makes a, a clear statement about those who are faithful and those who are not. When a church looks to call a pastor, it is their responsibility to examine men to see who will be a faithful shepherd, shepherd and who will not. And you want to avoid the ones who will not be. In our text this morning, there are two men that are described. One is, is the kind of guy you want to avoid. He is self-seeking. The other was found faithful after being carefully examined. So if you would, turn in the Bible to 3 John. Our text this morning is 3 John, verses 9 through 12. And if you're using a Red Pew Bible, it's on page 1026. This is the tale of Diotrephes and Demetrius. Look with me, please, at verses 9 through 12. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers, and also stops those who want to, and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. Determine through rigorous evaluation those qualified for vocational ministry. Determine through rigorous evaluation those qualified for vocational ministry. And according to this, this text, there are three ways how you can determine this. The first is by noticing the signs of self-seeking pastors. In verse 9, the Apostle John writes, I have written something to the church. 
Now, John mentions to Gaius something that he had written previously. What he is referencing is unknown. We don't know for sure, but we can make some good guesses what he might be talking about. It may have been the second letter that he wrote, what, what we would know as Second John. But it may also be a letter that is lost. So we don't know, but it doesn't matter that much. So, uh, but I tend to think it, it is Second John. John anticipates that at least some of the letter will be disputed by Diotrephes when it is read. Now, who is Diotrephes? We, we need to figure out the identity of this man. All we know about him is what this passage says about him. So we don't have a lot of background information about this guy. Uh, but it is likely that this man became a leader in this local church, possibly a pastor, probably a pastor. This man built a reputation, a bad reputation, of defying authority and strain from their teaching. And so it, it is my opinion that Second John is the letter that he is going after with this, with this local congregation. And if it is 2 John that is, be, that is being referred to, we need to look at what 2 John says that he may have had a problem with. In 2 John, the Apostle John tells his readers that he does not write them a new commandment, but an old one. That commandment is to love one another. He also wrote that we should follow his commandments. Uh, John in 2 John also warned that those who denied that Jesus Christ had come in the flesh were, were antichrists. John warned uh, of these people. So we do not know whether Diotrephes shared in any of the false teaching that 2 John describes. I, I don't think so. I think it was it's something else that is the problem here. There may be something that John wrote that he does not approve. Um, but it's, it, it's, it appears to be something else. It, it appears that doctrinal details are not the issue here. Um, so what is it that Diotrephes is doing that is hurting this local church? It appears that it's personal selfish ambition that made Diotrephes such a troubling person in this congregation. Now, ambition is not a bad thing. Actually, it's a good thing. We want to be ambitious people. We want to strive to be the best we can be at whatever we do. It is selfish ambition that is bad. And that is what Diotrephes is doing here. We know that selfishness is his major problem because of what verse 9 says. It says that he likes to put himself first. Okay, that's the definition of selfishness. It's always your way. You put yourself first. So Diotrephes is likely, as I, as I mentioned, a pastor type, a, a church leader. And he has enough influence in this church community to speak against the message of the apostles. The church is no place for selfish, ambitious pastors who do destructive activities to the detriment of the flock. I have a friend who, he's, he's an elder locally uh, at, at a pastor, that, that I, uh, at a church that I will not name, uh, but they had a diatrophies go through their church only a few years ago. 
Now, they had a senior pastor at this church who was there for over 20 years and who had a, a, a fairly uh, faithful ministry there, uh, but he had to, to resign at this church for personal reasons. And there was, there was a younger man in this church who is the, the diatrophies I'm describing here, who was a teacher at this church. And, and so they thought, well, he might be a good person to, to put into the senior pastor position. And so he was moved into that position. And he preached at this church for over a year, I, th I think a year or two. And during that time, people in the church had problems with the way he was preaching. He wasn't preaching anything false. It was just the way he was preaching. It was more like a seminary class instead of a sermon. And so people offered this feedback to him, and the elders felt the same way uh, as a lot of people in the church. And they said, would, would you go to a, a local seminary and talk to some of the people there who, who know, you know how, to, how to do a, a faithful job of preaching and, and take some seminary classes and, and even be mentored by one of the men there? And so he, he reluctantly agreed to do it. And he, his attendance wasn't that good, at, at, this, at the seminary uh, preaching classes. And they found out later, too, that he, he wasn't really fully into it uh, by the account of the professors of the seminary who, who were mentoring him. And he didn't even, and, he, and apparently he didn't even show up to some of the classes. And, and so they, they actually gave him a two-month uh, leave of absence to, to kind of, to go through this period. And after the two months were over, they were hoping that, you know, he had been mentored and he had seen the areas where he needed to improve as a pastor and as a preacher. But they had this meeting after two months, and he brings his, his letter of, of resignation, and during that time, he had called people up in the church and asked them their opinion about his preaching, and he persuaded them to follow him and start a new church. So he did not receive this criticism well, and he wanted to keep preaching the way he was preaching, and so they had a church split, about half the church followed him, and this is a prime example of a diatrophies. He, he did not receive correction well, and he, he did not listen to it, the authority at his church, and he went his own direction, and he brought people from the church with him. Uh, so what this man did was, was very damaging, and, and the church is still feeling the effects to this day from what he is doing, and he's still pastoring somewhere here in the Twin Cities, and he should not be uh, because he is not qualified to be a pastor. He is a diatrophies. Now, the Bible gives a, a different picture of who a pastor should be. First Peter 5, 1 through 3, Peter says this, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. That is who an elder should be. So not only did Diotrephes try to put himself first, this text also tells us that he despised authority. If you look at the end of verse 9, it says that he does not acknowledge our authority. John writes that Diotrephes does not acknowledge our authority, which is plural. Now, the, the authority that he is referring to, of course, John is one person, he's singular, but John is, this is plural for authority. This means that 
John the Apostle has, has an authority that, that lies with him simply because he holds the office of an apostle. John is an apostle of Jesus Christ. And this is, this is really important to, to, to know. Because to defy John's authority is to, de- to defy the authority of Jesus Christ himself. And you, you don't want to do that. John warns Gaius, uh, to whom he wrote this letter to, he warns him because he thinks Diotrephes may destroy the letter and keep it from the church, uh, this letter. John is concerned and he knows he, knows he needs to addre- address uh, the, the behavior of Diotrephes. And in verse 10, John tells, his, tells Gaius here precisely what he is going to do. In verse 10 he says, So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing. Okay, so he's, he, plans on, he plans on coming and addressing this issue. And, and you may wonder, why is this letter so short? It's one of the shortest writings in, in all of the Bible. Uh, third John, it's probably because he was writing a short letter to address the issue in brevity and he's planning on coming there to address it personally. uh, Diotrephes is discrediting John's message here um, by going after him personally. What we see here is that he's talking wicked nonsense against us and and he's not content with that. He refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. So John, obviously, as an apostle, is a very credible person. And this is an example of a toxic person, Diotrephes, who is going after one who is trustworthy. And to make things even worse, Diotrephes would not welcome the traveling missionaries. Okay, what, what is this guy's problem? I mean, everything he does just seems really bad. And he's attempting to stop those who tried to help these Christian workers who are passing through this church. And how this guy got into this position, we don't know. <laughs> You'd think they would have known the signs. This is a destructive guy, and he leaves destruction in his path. Now, the, according to this text, this is the first way to determine through rigorous evaluation, those qualified for vocational ministry. Okay, the first way is by noticing the signs of self-seeking pastors like Diotrephes. The second way to determine through rigorous evaluation those qualified for vocational ministry is by calling one whom you are glad to follow. In verse 11, John writes, Beloved, Do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Now John, once again here, addresses Gaius as beloved. So Gaius is is also a leader in this church. But he's one who is trustworthy, and John knows that he can trust, which is why he addresses him in this letter. And he tells Gaius to imitate. And he calls him here not to imitate evil, but to imitate good. It is wise to imitate good. That is obvious. That that goes without saying. But how do you imitate good? 
That's a good question to ask. You follow the example of those who are good. But is, isn't everyone a sinner? Isn't no one good? Well, that's true, yes. Everyone, everyone comes into this world as a sinner, born into original sin, and needs to believe in Christ somewhere along the way. And once you believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit is given to you, and you are able to, to change. You are able to become holy, and it's a process. And during that time, you, you begin to do good things because God's hand is on your life. So, so there are people in this world, namely Christians who have been redeemed by Christ and given the Holy Spirit, who are able to do good. So specifically, this is referring to believers, since those who do good are from God. Unbelievers are not able to do good, at least in a vertical sense. And what I mean by that is that they can't do good that pleases God. Horizontally, between humans, they can do good. If you help out at a homeless shelter, obviously that's a good thing. And, and society will see it that way, and it is a good thing. But God is not pleased with that because you're not one of his children. Um, so those who do good are from God, and they please God. And you are not to imitate evil. And the way you do this is by avoiding those who are evil. And it says here that whoever does evil has not seen God. What, is, what does he mean by this? Has not seen God. Doesn't, doesn't the Bible say nobody has ever seen God? Well, it's true. But when it says see God here, see God is the same thing as knowing God. And the reason I know that is because of what 1 John 3, 6 says. It says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Okay, so you see that Interchange, interchangeably to see God is to know God. Not literally, but it, it's a way of saying you, if you see God, you know God. Now the Bible, of course, endorses the idea of imitating others. Sometimes we wonder, is it okay for me to, to follow this person's example? Absolutely. The Bible endorses this idea of following others. Hebrews 13.7 says, 7 and 8 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, this is important here. The end of this verse says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So, so this verse is telling you, follow leaders in the church who are, who are worth being followed, who have set a good example. But realize that they're only it's only good to follow them if they're following Christ because Jesus is the only one who is flawless. It says here that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, so if you follow these people who are following Christ in a close way, you are really following Jesus. And we are even called to imitate God. That's what Ephesians 5, 1 says. It says, be imitators of God. And by following those who follow God, you are imitating God. And in the process you are becoming more Christ-like. So as a church, it's important to call pastors and to put people in, in positions of leadership that you, want, that you could see yourself following. Because if you put the wrong people in place, 
you're not going to want to follow them. And, and it just, it's a trickle-down effect that really causes lots of damage to the church. And I, I've been blessed for, for many years I, to, to follow people's example. I, in college, I had, a, I had an excellent uh, coach uh, who, who loved running. He was very knowledgeable in running, but he, but he loved Jesus more. You can see that in his life. And I, I saw him as one as, I want to be like this guy when I'm older. And, and I followed his example and, and during that time, too, as I was in college, I, I attended this church, and, and Pastor Dave uh, has had, he still has a, has a, a major impact on my life, and, and following his example, uh, and I have, I, I have a mentor uh, named Carl, uh, who, he's, he's a 60-year-old man, um, and, and he's, he's really invested in my life, and I, I follow his example, too, so I, I have plenty of people in my life, and that's just, that's just a few that I've named, my parents included, who, who raised me to follow Jesus, who, I, I have followed throughout my life, and the Lord has used that to make me more like Christ. And so we all have people like that in our life, and you can think of them right now um, who, are, who are worth being follow, followed. And these are the type of people you want to be the leaders of your church. They're not people who put themselves first. They're not diatrophies-like, okay? They're more like the guy we're going to talk about next, and that's Demetrius. Okay, so but that, that's the second way how. You must, through rigorous evalu evaluation, call those to vocational ministry. The third way how is by hearing an endorsement from reliable sources. Hearing an endorsement from reliable sources. This is our last verse in our text this morning, and we're going to look at the other man, the man who is worth being followed and his name is demetrius it says here that demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself we also add our testimony and you know that our testimony is true so the attention here is now shifted to demetrius so you see a contrast now demetrius Again, there isn't a ton of information about this guy, so we don't know a ton about him. We can't, you can't write a biography about Demetrius because we don't know a lot about him. But it, it, is, it is thought that he was a letter carrier, and he may have been a pastor. But as John wrote this letter, he wrote it from Ephesus, and he's, and he's writing to a church where we, we don't know the location of this church, uh, but John's writing from Ephesus. And that, this is how letters in the New Testament got to different places. This is really interesting. They would write a letter, and they would send someone <coughs> whom they trusted to deliver this letter to the church. Obviously, you need, this person needed to be reliable, and so Demetrius is likely, likely that person. John writes this letter, and he says, Demetrius, you're going you're gonna to travel probably hundreds of miles, and you're going to deliver this letter to this church, so a very important task. They didn't have planes back then, okay? They didn't have cars, <laughs> so this is important. And, all, and not only were they responsible in delivering this letter through travel, they were also responsible to interpret the letter. Okay, so they had to have good theology. They had to understand what the author was saying. So you see this important task. So, Demi so Demetrius may have, been, may have been a pastor of this congregation in Ephesus who was sent to deliver this important letter. Now, we see here that Demetrius first receives everyone's 
endorsement. This is probably all of those who are present with John in, in this church. And these people, over time, witnessed his character, and, and they witnessed his faithful service to the Lord. And churches who search for pastors today are wise to examine candidates by talking to those um, who know him best. One, one of my professors at Central, a guy knows who I'm, who I'm talking about, but he's in children's church right now, uh, he, he, he is no longer at, at Central because he's pastoring a church in Virginia. Uh, he was the provost at Central Seminary, and he was a guy you could really see as a, as a, se- as a senior pastor of a church because um, he was really good at preaching. I always enjoyed his preaching in chapel, and he, he really had a shepherd's heart, and so you kind of wondered why he was in administration uh, and, and not pastoring, but, but he, he had several people come up to him and tell him, you know, you should be a pastor, and there was, and there was this position that was opening up in Virginia, of, of, a, of a fairly large church that's also connected, connected to a seminary there, and the pastor who was at this church for a long period of time, and the interim pastor mentioned his name uh, to, to, the, to the search committee of the church, and that's how he, you know, catapulted all, over all the other candidates, and they, they asked him, would you, would you be willing to candidate at our church? And the reason he, he ended up in that position in the first place is because he had built a reputation among the people of God who said, you know, we, we give this man our endorsement. And so he is now the, pa- the pastor of this church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and he's, he's, he's actually been there for six weeks, and I know Central misses him a lot, but the reason he's there is because he received the endorsement from these people. And so it's good to talk to those people who are trustworthy, who can, who can give their stamp of approval. And this is what churches need to do when they're looking for people to, to lead their congregation. Now, the second criteria that John gives, Demet- gives Demetrius here, or, or that Demetrius meets, is that he believes that Demetrius lives by the gospel. We see that here, where it says here that he, he okay, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. So Demetrius lives by the gospel, he believes the gospel first and foremost, and he lives by it. And of course, God is the giver of the truth. And, God, and God's truth endorses Demetrius. If you see a pastor whose doctrine is off or his behavior does not line up with proper Christian character or the qualifications of a pastor, the truth, the truth does not endorse that person. So it's really important. If, if they believe something that's contrary to the word of God, then the truth does not endorse that person. Secondly, if their character does not line up with the word of God, uh, the passage that Diane read today, the qualifications of being an elder, if, if their character does not line up, then the truth itself does not endorse that person. But if their doctrine is correct and they live by the truth and they live in a holy manner, then that person receives an endorsement from the truth. Now, lastly here, John gives Demetrius his apostolic endorsement. Now, why is this significant? The reason we need to understand the significance of this is because we need to understand the significance of the apostles. 
every book of the New Testament is either written by an apostle or an associate of the apostles. And Jesus entrusted his word, his teaching, his authority to these people who were placed in this office. Okay, so you can see the importance of this office. And some of you maybe, maybe know the qualifications of being an apostle. One of, the, one of the important qualifications of being an apostle is that they needed to be a, a witness of the resurrection of Christ. So we, the 12 disciples were, were all apostles, except for Judas, who was replaced by Matthias. And Paul, later on, of course, was a witness of Christ after, after the resurrection when he appeared to him on the Damascus Road. And a few others, like Barnabas, were also appointed um, to the apostleship. Okay, so now disciples of, of Jesus Christ are all believers. Every believer is a disciple of Jesus Christ. So when we call the people in the Bible the 12 disciples, it's true. They were disciples, but they're also apostles. So every apostle is a disciple, but not every disciple is an apostle. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> Uh, and so this is, a, this is a very important office. And their teachings were the very teachings of Christ. So let me give you a small sample of New Testament passages that make this clear, that the apostolic authority that they held. First of all, John 14, 25, and 26. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Okay, so after Jesus accomplished his work, died, rose from the dead, and ascended to heaven, these people were appointed with the task of remembering the teachings of Christ, and the Holy Spirit helped them remember, and then they wrote it down. And that's the New Testament that we have with us today. And then Acts chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. This is really neat here. Follow with me here. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Okay, so you notice here, Luke wrote Acts and he's writing to a man named Theophilus here and he says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. You see that word began? That's really significant uh, because Jesus lived out his life, his, his teaching, his death, his resurrection and his ascension and that was the beginning of his teaching because the apostles would continue his teaching after he was gone. That's incredible, that little, that little word that's inserted there. So we see the important task of the apostles. And then lastly, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 37 and 38, Paul himself says that his writings are from the Lord verses 37 and 38. He says, if anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that these things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Okay, so Paul's writings are a command of the Lord, and the Lord he's referring to is the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we have here in the New Testament are the teachings of Christ that is carried out by the apostles. And John himself personally witnessed the death and resurrection of Christ. Okay, so when you think about it, Diotrephes is going against 
this authority? How, how stupid could this guy be? John was a witness of the resurrection of Christ. He was appointed as an apostle. Look at John 19.35. Jesus, or John says this after he sees Jesus die on the cross. He says, he who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. Okay, so remember, John was there when Jesus died on the cross, and he's saying, my testimony is true. And then in John 21, 24, he says, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is, is true. And John says that after the resurrection of Christ, and he is a witness of the resurrection of Christ, which makes him qualified to be an apostle. So as you can see here, the apostolic teaching carried very heavy weight. They held an authority that all Christians were to be under, and only a select few were given this authority. And this is the authority that Diotrephes, this man who desires to put himself first, was going against. A foolish thing that he did. And you know what? There are diatrophies among us in the church around the world. And this is the authority, the authority of John, that any pastor who takes advantage of the church for selfish gain is against. They are against this authority, the authority of Jesus Christ himself that Jesus gave to the apostles. But the good news is that even though some pastors are flawed, there are those who are Demetriuses out there who gladly submit to the apostolic authority and the apostolic teaching and joyfully teach the truth that is present in the testimony of the apostles, the New Testament. When examining a pastor, an elder, a deacon, so this goes beyond just pastoral ministry. Even when you call an a deacon, a missionary, it is wise to, to talk to those who know them best. And, and then you will receive everyone's approval and, and you'll know that you made the right decision by endorsing and calling this person to ministry. And you need to see if God's word also gives its approval. Does their life match up with it? Does their teaching match up with the teachings of, of scripture? And you also need to make sure that their teachings in life are in line with the apostolic testimony, which, of course, is Scripture itself. Okay? And if you do that, you will know whether or not to call this person to a position of authority in the church. And if they do not meet these standards, you want to avoid these people at all costs. Determine, through rigorous evaluation, those qualified for vocational ministry. And there are three ways how by noticing the signs of self-seeking pastors, by calling one whom you are glad to follow, and by hearing an endorsement from reliable sources. Resist calling the diatrophies of the world to, to serve in ministry positions. And if you do this, you will save yourself from damage to your church, great damage that they cause. And you will save yourself a lot of heartache and, and churches who have had these men lead their church, they will tell you the path of destruction that they leave. It, it's not good. But instead, choose the Demetriuses, and the future of your church will be set on the right path 
as God uses this servant to carry out the ministry that he has for him and that church. Let us pray together. Father, there's a reason that everything is written in Scripture, including this passage, as we look at the tale of these two men. One man, Lord, is not qualified for pastoral ministry, is not qualified to be a leader in the church, and the other is. And so, Father, I pray that you would give the church wisdom to make the right decisions, to appoint the right person, to call the right person, to to lead their ministry. And Lord, all churches around the world need, need to know this passage. Um, as, as pastors come and go, they need to make sure the right person is in there to, to do a faithful job of carrying out that task, of, of shepherding the flock of God. And so Lord, I thank you for taking care of this church all these years and, and appointing um, shepherds um, to lead the flock. And I pray that as this church goes into the future, that that, that would always be the case of all the, the leadership positions that we have at Mound Free Church. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.